The Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights has issued several HIPAA enforcement actions in recent months and is currently rolling out Phase 2 of its HIPAA compliance audit program. So what kind of scrutiny should covered entities and business associates expect from OCR in the weeks and months ahead? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Betsy Hodge of the law firm Ackerman LLP. Betsy will be discussing some of the potential developments, including enforcement activities, coming from OCR in the months ahead. So as I noted, OCR has issued a number of enforcement actions so far this year, including a a few resolution agreements that include corrective action plans and financial settlements, and also one civil monetary penalty case. Besides the need for organizations to conduct enterprise-wide risk assessments, which has been a common OCR theme in these resolution agreements for quite a while, what other important lessons are emerging for covered entities and business associates from these cases? The recent resolution agreements highlight the need for covered entities to have in place policies and procedures to identify what vendors and other third parties with whom they deal are business associates and then also have in place policies and procedures to make sure they obtain signed business associate agreements with those third parties before transferring any protected health information to those parties. This is a relatively new theme that we're seeing in the resolution agreements this year, even though we believe some of the older resolution agreements resulted from breaches involving business associates. The resolution agreements this year tend to show more emphasis on the relationship between covered entities and business associates and the need for covered entities to be on top of those relationships and know who they're giving protected health information to before actually turning over that information. Also, there are a couple resolution agreements involving ensuring that there's patient authorization before patient information is used for marketing type purposes. For example, before putting patient testimonials on covered entity's website, the covered entity needs to have a signed authorization from the patient agreeing to that use of the patient's likeness and information. Similarly, before allowing filming by a television crew or other media entity in a covered entity's facility, the covered entity needs to make sure that it has authorization from the patient's or their personal representative that including the patients in that filming is permissible. And that's a a relatively new focus by the OCR. OCR recently updated its guidance for health IT and app developers. It also updated guidance about fees that covered entities can charge individuals who request copies of their medical records. What sorts of other OCR enforcement actions or guidance could be useful in spotlighting some common privacy and security challenges in the healthcare sector that OCR hasn't spotlighted much in previous enforcement action or guidance. Well, Marianne, I think everybody is still awaiting the final accounting rule. As you know, several years ago, OCR issued a proposed rule proposing to update the accounting for disclosure rule that met with a lot of pushback from the healthcare industry. Since then, everybody has been awaiting for the final rule to see how 
OCR will implement that. We understand that that is on the OCR's to-do list, so I think everybody is anxiously awaiting that final rule. Also, given the recent spate of ransomware attacks, I think everyone is anxious to have guidance from OCR regarding whether a ransomware attack is or is not a reportable breach, or perhaps more specifically, under what circumstance would a ransomware attack be a reportable breach. There seems to be a lot of discussion within the healthcare industry about whether such attacks are or are not reportable. And so I think clarification on that point would be helpful. And OCR has said that they will be providing that clarification. What about business associates? Where are they still struggling most three years after HIPAA omnibus went into effect, making them directly liable for HIPAA compliance? And how soon do you think it'll be until we see OCR actually issue some sort of settlement or resolution agreement or maybe even civil monetary penalty sort of action against a BA? The answer to your question depends on the sophistication of the business associates. I think the more sophisticated business associates have understand that they are business associates who are subject to HIPAA and have put in place policies and procedures to meet their obligations under the security rule. They also understand that they need to have in place a business associate agreement before they can receive protected health information from their covered entities with whom they do business. But the smaller, less sophisticated sophisticated business associates seem to struggle with all of those issues. There are some that are not even sure if they are business associates. Others don't necessarily understand all of the security rule requirements, and I think particularly the requirement to conduct a risk assessment and then implement a risk management plan based on that risk assessment. I think until the Office for Civil Rights does take enforcement activity against a business associate, especially those smaller business associates, may not fully accept their responsibilities under HIPAA. Our understanding is that the OCR is looking at some cases involving business associates, but as far as a timetable for when they will take action, they're not giving any feedback on that because obviously they're ongoing investigations and they typically do not comment on ongoing investigations. But I think going forward, business associates should anticipate that they too will be the subject of resolution agreements and potentially even civil monetary penalties by the OCR. Betsy, in addition to these various breach investigations, OCR also says that it's going to be launching its next round of HIPAA compliance audits. Do you think these audits should or will potentially result in enforcement actions by OCR if they uncover something that seems egregious or something that should really have been addressed a while ago? I think the potential for that to happen is definitely there. Historically, the Office for Civil Rights has emphasized voluntary compliance, used much more of a carrot approach than the stick approach, and I would expect it to continue to do that during the compliance audits. However, as you said, if OCR encounters a covered entity or a business associate that really has made little or no effort to comply with HIPAA, privacy and or security requirements, particularly even after receiving notice that the covered entity or business associate is in the potential audit pool, I would not be surprised to see OCR take some sort of enforcement action against 
such an entity. But I think as long as OCR sees that there is a good faith effort by a covered entity or business associate to try to come into compliance even after receiving notice that it was selected as a potential auditee, I think OCR will work with that entity to help them get into compliance. Where they seem to take action is where, and again, this is based on the limited information that's included in the resolution agreements. They seem to take action where there has been long-term non-compliance or what is perceived as egregious non-compliance. But typically, it appears that if you are trying and moving in the right direction, OCR will work with you. So now, Betsy, what about recent health data breach trends? We've seen more hacker attacks. We've seen ransomware attacks. Are there any other issues that seem to be emerging from these trends that covered entities and business associates should be more focused on? Well, as was highlighted in the recent Poneman Institute report, there seems to be a shift from breaches that are caused by employee negligence, and now there's more of a shift to criminal activity, both outside a covered entity or business associate and inside a covered entity or business associate. And so that requires a slightly different shift in thinking and how you approach those threats. And that's also a new threat that needs to be considered as part of any risk assessment or update to a risk assessment. More and more, we're seeing state-sponsored hacking of healthcare entities, which was not something that we saw even a few years ago. And recognizing that those attacks may be motivated by several different purposes. For example, you could have criminal state-sponsored hacking attacks that are for financial gain, but sometimes they are more for information gathering and espionage purposes. Sometimes it is for the purpose of trying to obtain trade secrets and confidential intellectual property. So that sort of changes the risk assessment that you have to do and factoring those issues into your risk assessment. And then internally, you have to think about not just the negligent employee or contractor, but also those who are acting with bad motive, who may be trying to steal data to commit fraud or other crimes, you know, such as identity theft or tax fraud, which is a big issue here in Florida where I practice. And then, of course, now we're seeing the ransomware attacks where the bad actors are not really interested in the data. They're interested in trying to get, in most cases, relatively fast cash and then releasing the data to covered entity. So those threats are new, ones that we hadn't even considered a few years ago. So all of that changes the risk assessment. A lot of these attacks are allowed, even the criminal ones, can occur because of employee negligence. That's still an issue that has to be addressed too. Betsy, as you mentioned, OCR is planning to issue guidance regarding ransomware. We're not sure exactly when. We're not sure exactly what will be contained in the guidance. They've sort of hinted that it could help organizations assess whether or not a ransomware incident needs to be reported as a breach. But in the meantime, any tips for how covered entities and business associates can best assess whether a ransomware attack is a reportable HIPAA breach and any other advice for organizations that are dealing with these ransomware attacks? 
to address the second part of your question first, I would urge all covered entities and business associates to make sure that they regularly back up their data, especially the data that is critical to their daily operations, and to make sure that backups are stored offline. We're seeing the emergence now of some ransomware that will actually attempt to go after backups to make it more likely that the intended victim will pay the ransom. So making sure that you have regular backups and making sure that you are monitoring the integrity of those backups. So if in a worst case scenario you had to rely on them, you are backing up with good, reliable data, that's probably one of the most important things you can do. Also, training your employees to recognize potential ransomware attacks, making sure that they exercise caution when getting emails from unknown sources or that have attachments to them. And this can be quite difficult, especially in the healthcare industry now where both providers and payers, their employees are being asked to do more and more with less and less resources. So people get busy, they tend to multitask, and it's very easy to click on an email or open an attachment when you're only half paying attention to what's there because you're trying to do three other things at the same time. So to the extent that covered entities and business associates can educate their workforce members to be alert to these types of attacks and be careful about opening emails from unknown sources, that will go a long way too. And then also making sure that your antivirus and anti-malware solutions are automatically updating regularly conducting scans, making sure that you are up to date on your patches for your operating systems and other software, and then things like disabling macro script. All of those are technology steps that you can take to try to minimize the risk of being subject to a ransomware attack. And as you know, Homeland Security and the FBI and even OCR have put out guidance referencing those points for covered entities and business associates to follow to try to minimize the risk that they would be subject to a ransomware attack. As far as assessing whether a ransomware attack is reportable, as I mentioned before, that is an ongoing debate within the healthcare community. I would encourage covered entities and business associates who believe they have been subject to a ransomware attack to drill down and investigate what type of ransomware is involved and what has the ransomware done or not done to the data? Has it only encrypted the data, sort of wrapped around the data? Or is there any evidence that the data has been in any way accessed, acquired, or exfiltrated? And unfortunately, to do that, you may need some more sophisticated audit tools, which some covered entities and business associates may not have the financial ability to afford, but for those that do have those tools or have it in their budget to acquire those tools, they should drill down to that level because that information would be helpful in conducting or performing the four-factor risk assessment to determine whether, in fact, there is a low probability that protected health information was improperly used or disclosed during the ransomware attack. But right now, as I said, it's an open question whether a ransomware attack is reportable, and I think it depends on the particular facts in a particular case, but that is also why everybody is anxiously awaiting some guidance from the Office for Civil Rights on that point. And one last question, Betsy, from the legal 
standpoint, do you think it's a matter of time before we'll see some class action suits filed against some organizations that have had ransomware attacks and patient care might have been halted or disrupted in some way? I'm sure we will see some lawsuit flow from these ransomware attacks. And again, the basis for the suits may depend on the facts in a particular case, whether, for example, plaintiffs can demonstrate that the covered entity had lax security or perhaps had not implemented all of the policies and procedures required under the security regulation. An interesting question will be whether the plaintiffs claim that the covered entity or business associate should have provided notice under the breach notification rule but did not. So then the affected individuals could not take steps to protect themselves from further harm. But another interesting question will be how the plaintiffs in a particular case show that they suffered harm as a result of a ransomware attack. In the situation you mentioned where someone had a delay in surgery, or other necessary procedure because the necessary systems were down and the procedure could not go forward. That's a different situation than, say, someone whose records were included in the PHI that was encrypted, but that patient wasn't coming into the hospital for a procedure, and there's been no indication that their information was exfiltrated to a third party who then used it to commit identity theft or financial fraud or anything like that. So I think these cases may be very fact-specific, especially with respect to potential damages, but I anticipate that there will be lawsuits arising out of these attacks. Thanks, Betsy. I've been speaking to attorney Betsy Hodge. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.